don't take everything for granted. Like it's not because you get a customer once that they're gonna stick with you forever. So I think you need to really nurture that relationship with your customer once they pass the step to discover what you have to offer. Hello, my name is Lauren D'Souza and you're listening to Retain, the Customer Retention Podcast. More and more companies are wanting to focus on retaining customers, but what exactly are the powers of customer retention? And how are companies using it to keep their customers coming back for more? That's what we're here to find out. Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining us again. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Alice Clark, who is the international CRM lead for HelloFresh Market. HelloFresh, the German-based meal kit giant, are the largest meal kit provider in the United States. Prior to HelloFresh, Alice had been in similar CRM-focused roles for Beatport. As a result-oriented automation nerd, Alice champions marketing automation and synchronizing valuable data between all aspects of the CRM system. It's really great to have you on the show, Alice. Great to be here. Thank you. So let's learn more about you because I'm so excited to dive into all the topics that we have today around CRM and retention because that's what this whole podcast is about and everyone has different views that we bring onto the show and that's the best part because there's so many aspects of retention, there's so much to learn about it, but the place I like to start at first is knowing how you got into it and how you even started your journey in this whole industry. So I'll hand it over to you to talk a little bit more about your background and how you got into this whole industry. Yeah, that's actually quite exciting. So I started very boring, like just studying marketing. So very much a business oriented business school studies and background. And then I was in France and couldn't really find a job. So I moved to the UK and to London. And I got kind of thrown into it working for a marketing service solution for the digital work in tech. And I was not really into CRM uh, at that point, but I just got sucked in. Like I got headhunted uh, internally <laughs> to join the CRM team. And I think that's how it all started, like really creating the communication relationship with the customer. Here we worked like B2B, B2C. So it was really interesting. I learned a lot. And I think that's all started from there. <laughs> that's awesome. And I like the fact that you said you started off with a boring background, but it seems pretty interesting. So <laughs> it was really broad. Let's let's put it that way. And CRM is actually quite specific, I would say. Yeah. And was there something specific about the field of customer relationship management that you liked or that interests you to join that? I think what I like is the direct connection that we can create with the customer. When you send like a bigger campaign that targets more people or are more offline or events, like it's a little bit different. Like I feel CRM, we can really create a one-to-one -one relationship with different type of client. And I think that's what I like. <laughs> No, I like that as well, actually. And I think what's unique and interesting about it is that every relationship that you are managing is different because every person is different and every goal that you're trying to accomplish is different. So it's it presents an interesting challenge because you're trying to create this ecosystem around yourself in this role that you're doing, whatever it may be. It's honestly like a challenge because it's a puzzle with each person that you're working with, which I think is a really fun challenge, actually. Yes, <laughs> That's awesome. definitely. So speaking of CRM, obviously your current role is at HelloFresh, which is awesome. I myself have definitely had many HelloFresh boxes in my time and they are so good. 
they helped me get through all of university, which is nice. Wow. <laughs> so definitely enjoyed that. But for those of the people who are listening to the podcast and might not know what HelloFresh is, do you mind giving a little bit of an intro of what the company does? Yes, of course. So it's a food subscription solution. So you will be able to select uh, different recipes every week. You can pause at any time and we will pack these recipes for you, the ingredients, exactly the amount of food you need to make that recipe. And it will be delivered to your phone door. So that's extremely convenient. And I'm part of the HelloFresh market business, which is all the add-ons that you can add to that subscription. So a little indulgence to the desserts or broth or milk or whatever you would want to add to your box. That is so much fun. That must be a great and fun thing to be working on day in, day out. I think I'd be hungry all the time, honestly. <laughs> yes, I have to say all our decks are really full of food all the time. And <laughs> it, it makes you very, very hungry time to time. <laughs> I can imagine. So what would you say you enjoy most about your role? I think it's very interesting because it's a vertical of HelloFresh that is still rather new. So everything is to be built and there is no limits really. And I think the the selection of product that we are selling and the solution that we provide to the customer is very interesting. And I personally really believe in our product. So that makes it much easier to sell. (laughs) I was going to say, yeah. Starts with you actually believing in the product first, I think, which is a good thing. (laughs) And I think what's interesting about HelloFresh, actually, I think either the last episode or two episodes ago, I had mentioned how much I like HelloFresh because we were talking about this whole theme of really understanding the customer experience and all that kind of stuff. And what I liked about HelloFresh was the fact that you get the inserts of the other companies that you can try. And then also I noticed that they mentioned that there's a chef that works on recipes all the time. And I really enjoyed that because I thought it was interesting that they're consistently innovating and always talking about how fresh the products are. Obviously, fresh is in the name, so it should be fresh. But That's what I really liked about the whole company as their approach to actually giving the product to the customer. But from your point of view, what do you think other companies can learn from something as great as HelloFresh? I think what is very important is to innovate, really keep bringing novelty to your customer offer that you're making, I think is what's really important. And don't take everything for granted. Like it's not because you get a customer once that they're going to stick with you forever. So I think you need to really nurture that relationship with your customer once they pass the step to discover what you have to offer. Yeah, you make a really good point because I think just a general viewpoint is that smaller companies are so much more focused on each individual customer because you're a smaller company. You're really waiting for every single customer that you get. So you properly nurture every single relationship. What's your view on that retention approach for larger companies? Like, Do you think that they're doing a good job of it on the larger companies? Or do you think that there's a key theme that should be happening in these larger companies when there's thousands and thousands of customers? Yeah, I think it's just what you invest in. Like if you invest a lot of time and technology in keeping that close relationship with your customer, then even if you are a very scale-up size company, you can still achieve quite a lot thanks to the digital world. We have so many amazing solutions out there now that allows you to be super precise and granular on the personalization that you can bring to your message and someone like one person out of thousands can still feel special because you're targeting them at the right time with the right message and you show them that you understood what is it that they need. So 
I don't think it's a matter of how many people you're targeting. It's really much the solution that you use to bring this in, if that makes sense. No, it definitely makes sense because basically what you're saying is if you figure it out on an atomic level, then you should be able to do it with five customers versus 5,000. doesn't really matter. And I think that's really important because I think a lot of times when companies don't have a retention strategy in place, they scramble to figure it out. But then if they figure it out from like the granular atomic level, they can take that and apply it all across the board, meaning with the automations and the figuring out the different touch points. Because I feel like CRM is a very broad thing, but it's actually a very niche thing in figuring out the actual relationship per customer. And that's a challenge in of itself, which is interesting. Yeah, I really think like this is where you can plug in all type of information that you have about your customer and really try to personalize a message that not a single customer going to receive the same email from each other. Yeah. Like <laughs> something and I will receive something else. And that's the beauty of scaling up and automating processes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what's interesting is that you've had multiple different experiences in CRM. So you've seen the relationship management on different sizes of companies, I'm sure, different focuses. Your experiences are completely different from each other, which is great because it gives you such a wide breadth of experience and depth within that one specific domain. So it's given you a very interesting perspective from what I understand. But from what you've seen so far, just in a general basis across all your roles and experiences, why do you think relationship management is so important with any of these companies that you've worked with or within companies in general? I'm going to state the obvious probably, but we know how acquiring customer is super costly. So this is super important for a company if they want to be profitable and sustainable over time to actually focus on not just getting one purchase, but getting multiple. And I do see a lot of value in this. And also, I think to make people feel a bit more special, you know, not just like a uh, payment tap with a credit card with something else. And I think that's what retention strategy does. Yeah. On the show, I always ask for examples and companies that you think are doing it really well. But then there's There's times when companies do it really well and sometimes that companies don't do it so great. So I guess my first part to this question is, is there an example of a company, obviously it doesn't have to be HelloFresh, just a (laughs) company in general that you think utilizes relationship management really well in their retention strategy? So maybe it's a bit biased because I take it from my own personal experience, but I I don't know if you have it in the US, like Sephora, it's a makeup uh, company. Yeah, cool. Yeah, it's a North American brand too. Huge here. The biggest one, I would say. (laughs) (laughs) That's perfect. And I, I think they are really good. They are really good to stay on top of the game, to digitalize their campaign and to make like connections between the offline in-store experience and then reconnect with you on the SMS or like other digital touch point. And I found it quite good that they are not harassing me, which is something that I really appreciate, but they're catching me just like nudges here and there. And that's enough for me to keep them at top of mind. And um, I think that's the smart way to do things. I agree. And I think it's actually quite tough to find the way to pleasantly surprise somebody versus bug them time and time again, because it's really hard to get that formula right. Have you seen any strategies that work best for trying to figure out that perfect timing, do you think? Or is it just really understanding your customer data, do you think? Well, it's a mix of both. Like you need to put yourself into the customer's shoes. Like that's uh, what everyone should do all the time. (laughs) Agreed. 
But so understanding the organic rhythm of what you're trying to sell, like there are things that are on average bought, I don't know, three times a year and some others that are bought, I don't know, like every 10 years. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Really have a sense of this instead of pushing someone to buy something every month, which is literally impossible. So you need to understand what is the organic average frequency of the product that you're trying to sell. And then you need to, again, use your data and automation and look at like, you know, if one customer is using your brand only occasionally and someone is extremely loyal to you and will only <laughs> buy your brand, like you need to adapt the cadence and the frequency of your messages. And I think that's what I believe Sephora does quite well. Like they understood that I'm not someone that is coming into the shop every other week, but they are nudging me every quarters every six months and that's plenty enough they also look at when i last purchased and they contact me just before that period because i probably gonna have the same need at the same time and i think that's very smart yeah so. that convenience factor is so important and i even noticed myself i'm not sure if they had the same campaign or strategy going in Europe during COVID, but during COVID for us in Canada, they basically had a very seamless curbside pickup strategy going. So what I noticed was that in the height of COVID, when everyone was kind of like, okay, what do we do? How do we spend our time? Are we baking bread or what are we doing? What's going on here? And they almost did a campaign around feel beautiful at home. So invest in products that will help with your daily skincare routine. If you love makeup or hate makeup, doesn't matter. At the end of the day, we all need to figure out something to do when we're all spending our time at home. And I found that because obviously Sephora is the home to all these different brands as well. They outsource all these different brands. And I found that with their curbside pickup strategy, it was timed so beautifully that they knew exactly when I wanted to be like go for a drive and go outside for a second during COVID and stuff like that. And they made it so easy. It was such a nice process. The people who came out to you and handed you the bag with their mask on and everything were so kind. They asked about your day. They asked about everything. It was such a seamless process that I found the brands that I was buying from. I went to Sephora first before the brand website, which was interesting because before I was always going to the brand site itself. And so I found that you're talking about things like knowing when your last purchase was. I'm talking about things that are like logistic process in terms of the actual curbside pickup strategy that they had. But I think this all comes together because we both cater to different things depending on what we're looking for. And that's something that I never forgot because it was so amazingly simple and it was so well done in a time of chaos that I think they got it just beautifully done right. <laughs> Yes, and what I like as well here is that they clearly use the emotion of the present moment, like what everyone is going through right now, and they, they actually used it as a strength and as an opportunity. And I think brands that know how to do this are very smart. There is another one, but I think it's purely French. Uh, it's a car maintenance garages chains, and they will always send you super tight to the weather or the time of the year uh, campaign. So they will remind you, oh, it's going to be rainy next week. Make sure that you get your windscreen like fixed. Oh my gosh, that's really cool. It's going to be super hot. Like you need to sort your aircon system and here is an offer for you. And I think this is just so smart. Like people are like, yeah, thank you for the reminder. Let me just like sort this out <laughs> maybe they don't serve Canada because our snowstorms are so ridiculous like we're actually in the middle of a snowstorm as we speak right now so <laughs> they might not have products for that we don't know 
<laughs> I don't buy them. I don't even have a car, but I keep receiving the newsletter. <laughs> but you're interested. If you do get a car, then you know exactly where to go. Yes. <laughs> no, I really like that. And I think it's actually so different from any strategy I've honestly ever heard of. I haven't thought of weather-related promotions kind of thing, meaning... Obviously, people do like seasonal stuff and whatever, but the way that you said they're preventative and all that kind of stuff, it feels like you're taking care of. It feels like they've got you covered. There's no issue, no worries. That's really interesting. Yes. And it almost comes like it's literally what we would call a newsletter is like, hey, be ready. Like this is coming up. So I think it's very smart. And then the tone, the voice of the email is super casual. And it's like, we've got your back. And I really like that, like friendly approach that they have with their customer. Yeah, that's awesome. I love when companies do that. And I think what's interesting is that I think it honestly all comes down to understanding the customer data, like you said. And one of my favorite aspects about the introduction that I gave you today was that you call yourself a result-oriented automation nerd, because I think that's incredible. And I absolutely love that, because that means you really know what you're talking about. So let's dive a little bit deeper into that, because I want to know more about A, why you call yourself that, and B, (laughs) what that really comes down to, because automation is such a broad topic. You can go into automation for days and days and days. You can talk about chat GPT if you wanted. You can talk about email marketing, everything. So tell me more about how you got this title, this incredible title, and what that really means to you and what is so important about automation to you. Loaded question. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's because of, you know, all the experience. And when I plug them all together, I'm like, okay, how would I describe myself? And that was also to make sure that I make the connections with the field that really interests me. And that is scaling up, being more efficient, automating like tasks that are super repetitive and super boring. And God knows in CRM, there are so many of them. So I think this is why. And solution oriented, I think this is something that I have inside me like I'm someone that really brings in always a lot of ideas like you bring me a problem I'm a solution so I love that I won't say I execute all of them (laughs) but the ideas they come at least the ideas keep flowing you know (laughs) so I think it, it comes down to this now I have to say like we have a proper automation team and they are way smarter than that I could ever do at HelloFresh. I wouldn't call myself a pure like automated nerd because (laughs) it requires a lot of technical skills. I'm more like an overview solution bringing oriented, I would say. Actually, I follow up to that because what you just mentioned actually of like being a full-blown automation nerd is that you need to know the technical side. But I think there's actually just so many different aspects to automation that you need the strategy side, you need the technical side, you need the uh, creative side. There's so many different aspects to it. But my question for you is if there was one piece of advice with utilizing automation or leveraging automation that you could give the listeners, what would you say? Might be a hard question, but take your time to think. Yeah, I would pick two that I would combine together maybe. But if I had to only pick one, it would be focusing on the content. So if I could pick two, it would be very much focusing on the segmentation and really understanding your database and focusing on the top part that is really profitable to your business and that, you know, you feel you broke the code with them, like you really found the sweet spot and try to like leverage this and potentially 
grow lookalike audience of these people or try to nurture other segments to get there. But this second one, which I think it's even more important, is play around with the content and really show, like if you have a very broad product portfolio, don't show your best sellers, show the favorite item that the person might or already likes. If you want to help someone, give them the tool that they need to get where you want them to go, but make them feel that they are the one making that decision. And I think this comes down to how you put your content together that really speaks for each profile. And this is done with automation, right? Like you can either look at your data and make a lovely AI algorithm and this will pack together the top three products that you should show to that specific customer. That's one solution. And the other one is being a little bit more broad and understand, okay, these people are more occasional. I'm going to have a very soft approach to what is there that we offer and why we believe that they should consider our product versus someone that just look for deals, for example. And you're like, okay, here is the is the best deal you can have. Just take a look and be our guest. You know, I think there are very different approaches you can take on just the content. No, I like that a lot. And I think kind of the theme of what you're talking about with everything that you just said was almost on the most granular level, trying to plan out the management of that customer. So understanding their next step before they even realize. And I feel like if you can get a handle of that, you've got the golden key to the next step. And I think the key to figuring that out is having the data, is having the very strong analytics. And then from there, you take that and you automate it in whatever way you can. Because if you can find those perfect instances to target the customer, they're actually happy to be talked to. They are happy to get those emails like you just said actually about Sephora. So I think it's data, analyze, be creative about it, and then automate from that point. And I like that a lot because it makes it easier to seem to figure out. You know what I mean? Because I feel like a lot of people are like, okay, where do I even start? Where do I even try and figure it out from? Extremely pragmatical. Yeah, yeah. You are right. It's like, how do I get from A to B? Okay, that's what the data is telling me. You can push a little bit the needle and bring it a little bit more on a forceful side, I would say, but there are some clear information that you shouldn't miss. Like if someone is not opening any of your emails, then change channel, you know, like stop persisting. (laughs) This is just not the way to talk to your customer. So just, you know. Stop bombarding them with, with yeah. more emails. Really, they are not opening them. 35 more emails in one day will not work. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, we, we, we keep on shouting this, but unfortunately, this is still, uh, still very much a strategy of a, a lot of companies out there. Honestly, it's true because I would say every three months, I go through my inbox and see the emails that are just honestly bugging me at that point because I'm trying to filter out as yeah. much as possible. And try and filter out the marketing emails that don't appeal to me. But for the ones that do, like there's this one brand called Merit, which is a beauty brand, and mm. they do it just phenomenally. And I I honestly only buy once every three months, I think. But I look at their emails every single week because it's so interesting and they've done it so exceptionally that I think I'm happy to receive that email every single week, even though it doesn't even pertain to me in the moment. So I think it's interesting how you are trying to figure out the channels and the different journey. But I think it all comes down to that very specific customer data that you're trying to figure out. 
Yes. Yeah. I think the first step should always be looking at all the information that you have and like connect it with what is your goal and try to just like connect the two together and (laughs) close the gap. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. No, that's really interesting. And I think a great point to bring the conversation to an end, because I think that's a helpful point to end on. And I think a lot of people will be interested to hear about that. But before I let you go, the new feature that we're doing on the show for our 2023 guests is that we're doing a lightning round. So just very random, quick questions. And it's my favorite part because I get to know more about you as a person. So first question is, what book do you think everyone should read? Oh, um, <laughs> I think I have it here. It's For those listening, Alice is looking at her wall, which seems to be a lovely library she's got of all these different books. Ooh, start with why. Excellent choice. Yes. I think this one is super interesting because especially in marketing, we are always focusing on the the what, you know, what is it that we have to sell you? What is it? But I think if you take it a step further and you look at the actual why, is that a benefit to you? Why do you need this? Absolutely. I think you will crack a lot of solutions. So I would say that's the one book you should read. Simon Sinek is amazing. as well. I was going to say he's incredible. And I was going to say I thought you would choose something about more towards the why versus the what, because I feel like with customer relationship management, it's very much about understanding the why of the customer, not the what of the customer. Yeah. So I'm glad I was right on that. That's cool. Well done. Well done. I'm, Thank I'm you very much. Then. That's not good. <laughs> That's a good thing. That means you're really just well-rounded in the whole CRM field. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Second question. What is the biggest mistake you've made in your career? <gasps> okay. <laughs> I once erased the whole database. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that was with, uh, with HubSpot. Luckily, so you can imagine like my head changed all colors. Luckily, somehow HubSpot could bring back the data. Oh my God, I don't know what I would do in that situation. (laughs) That was not so good. I would probably not put on my resume for the next CRM role. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I even have a second good story where the email went out twice. Like the journey was wrongly set up and we sent twice the email to maybe like, I don't know, half million people (laughs) that was uh, was also quite bad (laughs) wow that's incredible at least you made mistakes that were able to fix that's smart to make mistakes that are fixable you know (laughs) i know i know i know that's incredible okay last lightning round question what do you think is the best business lunch and what makes it good Yeah, I would say something like little nibbles to pick, like maybe like Israeli tapas or something not too filling so that you want to stay a little bit awake and something not too like greasy. (laughs) (laughs) Eat like ramens or burgers or yeah, maybe. Yeah, I would go for, for some nice little nibbles. I like it. There was one time where I was doing a presentation and I don't know what possessed me to get a burger right before the presentation because A, I knew I was going to fall asleep. I always fall asleep after a burger. And B, right when I took a bite into it, a huge glob of mustard fell on my shirt. And I said, aha, turns out you learn things and you make stupid mistakes like that. So you make a great point. (laughs) 
There's awesome. a very good place right in front of the office that I love to go to. And uh, that's exactly that. That's just a mix and match of super cool Israeli food. <laughs> oh, I love Israeli food. All right. That's the lightning round questions. And then I have one final question because I like to end the show with a piece of advice to leave someone with or something interesting to chat with someone about. So the question that I typically ask is, is there a piece of marketing or life advice that someone shared with you once that has always stayed with you? Maybe it's more like a fundamental, let's say, is that you can always learn new things like trial and error and learn. And that's why like, I'm so easily sharing my big, big mistakes because it's fine. You know, if you don't make that mistake, then you're not going to learn and improve and I think this is something that I have really struggled with because I always was so like perfectionist and I had to have everything perfect before anything goes out. And actually, I don't know, maybe it's me getting older. I don't know, <laughs> experience, but now I'm like, oh, it's fine, you know, like just start from somewhere and improve even if it's live, it's okay. <laughs> so maybe just try and error and cope well with this because it's not a big deal at the end of the day. I love that. It's almost a reassuring factor because I think so much of the information that we see out there is trying to get everything perfect or making sure that you yeah. launch the biggest and bestest and whatever the most hyperbolic thing of anything that you do. But at the end of the day, making progress is good. Actually trying something is good. Even starting on something is good. So yes. making some sort of progress and iterating from that point, you can actually do better. Like I think some of my greatest achievements in my career so far have been a result of a mistake, actually, or a failure of some sort, which is an interesting lesson, I think. Yeah, you bounce back. and But this is still, I'm still on that journey. It's easier to say than to do. But I think that would be the biggest piece of advice. Like, let go of all your fears. Just start somewhere and at least you will make a movement, you know? <laughs> yeah, no. And I think the listeners will agree with me about having the smile on my face at the end of it. Just it's a nice reminder. It makes you feel assured that you're actually on the right path. You're doing something good. And obviously you learn from everything that you do, no matter if it's a success or a failure. So if you can take it in a positive approach, you'll get there. Yes. You handle the failures, but yes. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> HubSpot can get the customer data back. If you lose it, it's fine. <laughs> Solution-oriented, I told you. <laughs> yes, you see, result-oriented automation nerd. <laughs> that's where it all comes from. No, that's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you again for being on the show. I know everybody listening to this will be so intrigued by everything that you have to share and say. And it was really lovely to have you on the show. So thank you so much for that. Thank you so much. It was good fun. Thank you. Awesome. To everyone listening, tune in next time for our next episode. And we'll see you next time. Retain the Customer Retention Podcast is brought to you by Gameball. To find out how you can turn visitors and occasional buyers into loyal, lifetime customers, head to Gameball.co. Make sure to subscribe to Retain the Customer Retention Podcast in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, so you never miss an episode. Thanks for joining me, and I'll see you next time.